It's true that uh, some enterprising company came out with a pink globe made for girls. I looked it up because it seemed absurd, and I couldn't figure out what the message would be or who you would market it to. The reason I'm opening up this way is because my guest today, Kira Kyle, has had a lifelong battle to discover their identity. And the topic of this globe came up, and I thought one of the most interesting pieces early in the podcast was when Kira talked about how you are assigned a, a gender before you're even born. And it's likely the first identity that you are given. And while it's never been something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, because I've always felt really comfortable that my gender and my um, sexual identity match, it caused me pause to think about what it would feel like to not identify with your primary sexual characteristics, or to not feel completely comfortable that you identified. What's so amazing about this conversation is that we get to discussing the story that, that, that Kira brought for this Wednesday's show, and every piece that they wrote embodied first the stereotype, the standard way that we think about things, and then it questioned that stereotype and subverted what we expect. And then finally, it embraced, again, the people who most malign experiences that are different than their own. And so it was a great pleasure to have this conversation with Kira, to learn more about something that I don't know a great deal about, to hear about an experience that is largely foreign to me in my life, and then to see how that life experience translated into what sounds like an amazing collection of short stories, poems, and essays. Please enjoy this episode today with Kira Kyle. And when you, when you do like it, think of somebody who needs to hear it and share it with, with him, her, or them. Welcome to Create Collaborate, the show for creative writers aspiring to publish their first book. My name's Jody Spurman, and I'm determined to help you whether you self-publish or storm the gated walls of agents and editors. Today, we'll hear from another aspiring author who's bringing a killer story to the community for a shot at publication. Uh, I, I was more of a targeteer. Okay. Uh, where I would uh, guide missiles and uh, give smart bombs their intelligence and whatnot. And basically looking at uh, images and video and tell them what I saw down there. How is the uh, and, how how's the emotional context of that? I have to imagine that there there's a sense of responsibility if if you're communicating with a, a weapons device like that. Oh my yes, it's it's large. Uh, I don't. I have written about that, <laughs> uh, but um, but it's taken me years to reconcile what I've done. I don't, and some days I'm good with it, and I'm better at it than others. Yeah. But it just it kind of comes in waves. Yeah. Um, is there is there any element of and and there may be a better term for it, but PTSD that comes along with that? Or are you do you still carry that with you? Then it sounds like I have been diagnosed with with that. But yes, I definitely carry that with me. Uh, it's more like in the shadows. Mm. Like at night, I might see something out of the corner of my eye, like a okay. I don't know. I mean, there, there was one that I definitely written. I've written about multiple times where I tried to, I tried to uh, stop a a bombing mission from happening. We had marked something as a convoy when it, a military convoy when it wasn't a military convoy. It was wow. They were civilians. Oh man! And I could see them in the and people kept calling it as possible or probable military convoy based off of poor imagery. Oh. And then we finally got this one video where we could see it really well. I mean, it was like watching a home movie. Yeah. Like level of, of nears, which is like the, the grading symbol for uh, a scale for, for imagery. Oh. And I could see them, uh, the women and children on flatbed trucks and whatnot. And, and wow. they, they, they were on a back road to, to make it look like they were a convoy, a military convoy. 
Yeah. If, if I'm hearing what you're saying, it sounds to me like you're saying that on your side, there was a clear miscommunication about what it was, but even on their side, maybe they were intentionally making it look like something it wasn't. Is that accurate? Am I hearing you right? Possibly, but it, it could just be people. We could have just mistaken it. Yeah. Wow. Or something else. You know, I think, I think I told this story. Um, it may have been on a, when I was a guest on another podcast, but I, I actually signed up to be in the air force and oh. right before I went, uh, I realized that the military was not a place that I wanted to be. So I was scheduled to go to basic training the next day. Um, I have two siblings that were in the military and I'm, I'm grateful for their service in general. I am grateful for the military. I wish I didn't know so many people who had been deeply harmed by their time in the military, but I am grateful for the purpose of it. Um, and I say that for people who are listening because it's such a complex story, but anyways, um, I talked to my, my sister and she said, well, listen, um, if you don't show up at basic training, you don't get in trouble. They will honorably discharge you and your time's over. And I made that decision open-eyed to not go. Um, I got a little bit of criticism for it, um, but it's one that I'm ultimately really grateful that, uh, that I made. And, <laughs> you know, so. Sometimes I wish I could go back and, and maybe not go, but it, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have uh, become who, who I am today without it. So yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good segue. How do you feel the military uh, contributed to who you are today? Well, honestly, uh, prior to the military, I was in college uh, in a, with a theater major. So, so I was in a theater group and whatnot. And when very LGBT friendly or very representative, re- representative of, of the LGBT yeah. community. And then when I signed up, they told me, why are you doing that? I mean, they didn't know exactly. I didn't know who I actually was at the time. Yeah. But they could maybe send something. It's like, you know, you have to do this and this and this. That There are rules that you have to abide by. Why, why would you want to join that? Because I guess they, yeah. they felt like maybe I was somewhere in the spectrum of LGBT and I, I had to um, hide that part of me. But it was kind of weird too, yeah. because when you're wearing the uniform, men and women and otherwise, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, people who who don't uh, fall neatly in the gender binary of, of man or woman, you're wearing the same uniform. So it's kind of almost freeing. Agendered. Is that... Yeah, it yeah. was a little. Yeah, it was a little freeing a little bit. So it was kind of weird. And I, and I had like a couple of moments where I could wear uh, civilian clothes because I worked a lot at night <laughs> because of the time difference between yeah uh, where we were, uh, well, where we were stationed and versus where the action was happening or where the conflicts were. And they allowed us to wear civilian clothes. And I remember a few times wearing something that was a little more feminine. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So it's, and it was, I don't know, I was within regs, <laughs> I was yeah. in regulation, so they, sure, they yeah. couldn't actually tell me to go home and change necessarily, but it was just odd that I was yeah. wearing clothing like that, like, oh, that's interesting, but yeah. hey, I was able to, so it's kind of weird, I was able to kind of serve a little openly here and there in pockets, mm-hmm. but yeah. So in that regard, I guess I do want to ask, were there people within the military that you were open with about, about um, your, your gender identity? And if so, um, yeah, I I just would like to hear a little bit about that because it's a, it's compelling and it's still, I would say not very out there. You don't hear these conversations, I think enough. So as much as you're willing to discuss, I'm really hungry to hear more about your experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't exactly out yet. Well, I was and I wasn't. <laughs> okay, I had met my wife prior to joining the military. Actually, that was our getting pregnant was uh, the impetus for me <laughs> to okay. join the military. Oh, okay. Uh, or And also to get married. But we, we were engaged before then. But yes. <laughs> and but I had come out to her. I didn't have the words. I just there weren't yeah. words for at that time because, you know, I. I my my gender is uh, well non-binary and yeah that's neither man or a woman it's kind of it's outside the binary 
Mm-hmm. It's it's yes. So and I don't know. It's just yeah. I it, it took me a long time to get through that because I, I think what I told her is that I sometimes feel like a girl or a, mm-hmm. or a, you know at the time I was we were a lot younger. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't exactly feel like a man. Mm-hmm. But it was it was almost like uh, I think uh, Ed Wood the movie had just come out. Okay. So it felt a little bit like that. Sometimes I like wearing girls' clothes, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah, it was kind of like that. I I don't know exactly how Ed Wood would have identified. Sure. Because yeah, non-binary is more of a a more recent term mm-hmm. it's been around for a while and non-binary people have been around for a long time right but yeah i didn't i just didn't have the words to describe who i was and and then i had to put on this veneer mm-hmm. in the military like oh yes I, I have to conform within the military but it became more than that i don't know i it took me years if not decades to like to unstitch the gender that was that i was assigned at birth yeah and i in many ways i'm still doing it you know i I think i don't know if this will relate it relates to me it's the way that i'm relating to you right now and your struggle is that i grew up without much of a choice about whether i was going to go to church or not um and so religion was kind of assigned to me you are by birth a christian and i had to attend church whether i wanted to or not um and and as a result of that i've grown up with massive amounts of shame and guilt about certain desires that I have or certain thoughts that I have or certain feelings that I have that are not supposed to be um, okay. Those are sinful things that you have to, you have to walk away from and you cannot embrace those things and they're wrong and they're wrong. And if you have doubts about anything, or if you feel like maybe you don't fit in a system, you are wrong. So that's how I'm identifying with you is that I had to leave that system. And I've taken my, my children out of that system because I don't want them to grow up repeating what I have experienced, but I'll be undoing that for the rest of my life. Um, regardless of if I ever fall into any spiritual or religious tradition, I will be undoing the damage that was done to me for the rest of my life. And, um, it's better most days now than it used to be, but it's tough. And it is, it's something that is assigned to you before even birth today. Yeah. Especially since you can, you can tell a, a, you can see a child's genitals in the second trimester. So, you know, and if you're, but I I don't know, the term identity, gendered identity is, well, everybody has a gendered identity. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you know, uh, but uh, we don't necessarily use that term for <laughs> for people mm-hmm. who aren't trans or, or non-binary or gender right. non-conforming. Uh, I mean, even cisgendered people have a gender identity. They're just lucky enough that they're uh, they're just lucky enough that their gender identity matches their sex assigned at birth. And it's so hard for people who are who are trans or, or non-binary or gender non-conforming mm-hmm. when there's a picture of you in your mother's womb and, you know, junior's bedroom is painted blue and there's possibly a sports team associated with it. And, you know, another child's bedroom is painted pink with a dollhouse and it's five months before you ever take your first breath. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, it's a nonstop thing. We don't even realize how many things that are actually gendered. Yes. Out there. I mean, I've even seen, well, just recently, globes that are supposed to be gendered. I think it's a, a foreign product, but yeah, they have a globe that is a normal-looking gl- globe that is blue for the oceans and green for the land mm-hmm. and whatnot. That's for the bullets. Oh, and wow. the girls have two slightly different shades of like carnation pink. Oh my god! But they're really close to carnation pink with a hue of violet around the land to show that <laughs> wow that is okay that is that, that's where the land ends and that's where the that's where the oceans begin and it's it's crazy because that that's not even a functional globe yeah right exactly <laughs> like it's so hard to tell what is land what is even sea yeah. and it all looks like you're in a bubblegum world or <laughs> any world yeah <laughs> like that's not how the earth is that is crazy so 
and so many other things like you just add pink to it mm. pink to something and it's suddenly for girls so yeah. uh, a pink hammer oh well that's a girl's hammer and, and we're not even we're less than 80 years away from pink being a masculine color mm. because it was actually swapped that's oh, really? why rosie the riveter mm. is in a blue overall oh, uh, it is in blue overalls because blue was for girls I had no and that was actually a way to get women out of the workplace hmm. to swap pink and blue interesting for okay. men and, and for men and women huh. so yeah i've never heard <laughs> that before i'm yeah, gonna go it, i'm gonna go look into that some more too i'm not i'm not familiar oh, yes. with that but that's crazy yeah it's so weird well no that 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 image no longer works for you because that is a blue overall right set of overalls and well you're not wearing blue anymore you're wearing pink yeah <laughs> and wow. you're assigned pink now so yeah. it's a very fluid thing anyway huh. that's why with and and gender is just a social construct in the in the first place yeah really i mean it's your sex assigned at birth sure that's those are the sex characteristics of primary and the secondary sex ca- yeah. characteristics but your gender that's how you interact with the world and how the world interacts with you yeah and that that's why we call them gender roles yeah not not yes sexual. right <laughs> yeah exactly you are right too and i think so i want to i want to be extremely careful by bringing myself into this conversation anyway because i feel like um my gender and my sex align and so there's never been any any real sense of um dissonance in those two things for me and yet at yeah. the same time um my my wife and i we sometimes get laughed at because in the most rigid stereotypical ways we're actually a little bit flip-flopped of how the stereotypes go so i am the emotional one in in the relationship okay. and i know we're going we're talking stereotypes but right. i'm the emotional one and so i'm the one who wants to sit down hash it out talk about how i feel she's the fixer she wants to sit down and be like what can we do to fix this situation she's our primary driver um we we did that functionally at the beginning of the relationship because I, I drove for a living. Um, but again, remember stereotypes, but she right. drives, she drives the car. I sit passenger and stereotypically that role is reversed okay. as well. I know. Yeah. She's the one who doesn't want to ask for directions and has a really good natural compass in her head. I am lost and I use landmarks to navigate. Um, so like I can go on and on and on about how we actually are kind of swapped, but again, I've never, I've never actually felt like uncomfortable. I just get irritated at how people pick on me for, for acting like a woman. And I'm like, why do we have to do this? Why can I not just be me minus any kind of stereotypes whatsoever at all? Why can I not fully embrace me and she can fully embrace her? And we don't have to get into this whole, like, you have to be a specific gender in order to what, what, what? I don't even know how to finish that sentence because it's just really irritating. And it's so much more for you though, because you're actually experiencing that dissonance. Is it like everything for you must just be constantly you feeling like you have to sacrifice a piece of who you are in order to interact with people because they neglect to embrace Kira. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult as well. Cause I, I, I spent so much time hiding who I was because I don't know. It, to, to me, it just seems like the default setting for a lot of folks is like cis straight and white and male. Hmm. Uh, I, I caught a lot of that in writer's workshop that was you where somebody was like, well, is there a reason why the main character is gay? <laughs> there must be a reason for them to be gay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that by more than one person. Yeah. And it typically a cis straight white male. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, is there a reason you're straight? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's, it's a lot like picking your favorite color and the mm. side of it makes you happy. Yeah. And I don't know that I qualify for any of those four of the (laughs) cis straight white or male Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm just and i I could pass i mean my my mother's also indonesian Mm -hmm. so yeah so like i could pass for those four things yeah completely and not mention anything like like i don't and i did for so long because it was just easier it made my life easier it made my life safer Mm -hmm. and those four labels specifically those four labels have an air of legitimacy to them. Yeah, right. You just walk in and you're you're pre-qualified. You're pre-qualified for everything. Yes, uh, it's it's almost like uh, I don't know if you're don't know if you play video games at all, but it's like you got your starting character. It's those four things, and then you have to right. like change something to it. 
Mm. It's like, no, those other things are there. Yeah. So I guess I'm making it, <laughs> my gender isn't a choice, but in that sense, I'm making a choice mm-hmm. and I don't want to pass anymore. And I'm like, yeah, just choosing to be happy and yeah. damn that other stuff. Yeah. Well, I like that. I mean, that it's so much, it's so much easier said than done. Nobody knows that better yeah. than you, but um, you know, it's, it's great that when we know, when we know at least we're walking on the right road now. Right. Right. And, but see, and that's another thing. My, my mother, my mother being Indonesian, mm-hmm. she whitewashes her existence there because she was a pale skinned Indonesian. So they could, you know, they were considered the good Indonesians, the, the more affluent because mm. they might have European yeah. blood. And there was literally chicken wire separating lighter skinned oh Indonesians gosh. from darker skinned Indonesians. So this thing is not, colorism is not unique to just the United States. And, but then of course, when my mother immigrated, her family was like, well, we want to hold on to our whiteness or our mm. paleness, but people saw them as, well, you're just Asians. Oh, wow. At this point. So yeah. There's just a whole bunch of that. And so she denies so much of her Indonesian heritage. And that's the crazy thing because Indonesians, they've had words for millennia Mm. for non-binary. Really? But I don't feel comfortable accepting that. Mm. Okay. Uh, You know, using Mm. any of those terms because Mm. I'm not of that culture. Yeah. Because my mother tried to assimilate as best she could to the United States. And so you almost feel like in, in, uh, adopting that culture, you're really okay. denying. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know. I don't want to, also denying enough, myself. But yeah. I, yeah. And I'm in a uh, couple of, uh, LGBT, uh, book groups as well. Yeah. And we read this one that was Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead mm-hmm. and uh, his pronouns are he, they, mm-hmm. I believe. And they, um, their main character, Johnny Appleseed, he uh, he's a two spirit, and I was reading this and just I'm, I'm happy for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also a little jealous because it's like I there are terms like that in Indonesia and I can't I don't feel right using them and mm. I'm, I'm stuck with a Western term of non-binary, right, and basically a white term essentially for really being brutally honest a white term non-binary yeah but well and you also you're you're borrowing with (laughs) they them as well which is is frustrating too that's one that i've really felt frustrated by as well because i i want like i want there to be a grammatical home for it and i know that sounds really nitpicky but i want a grammatical home for for that experience and they them is borrowing from something that already exists um and i also do know that the non-binary community has chosen that and that that's kind of why we move forward with it so Talk to me a little bit about that, I guess. You have opinions. Oh, yeah. No, there are several that, that I that I could have adopted. But for me, yes, it, it's just checking out my book here. <laughs> so what we're currently reading, uh, The ABCs of LGBT by Ashley Mardell. And I don't even know if I can find that. It's just so many pronouns. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, well, of course, there's Z, her, her, hers, okay. but spelled with an I. Mm-hmm. Uh, Z, Z, Zem, uh, Z, Zai, Z, Zay. I mean, so many different ways yeah. to actually spell those as well. And I could have adopted any of those. And I don't know. It's it's another issue with pronouns that they don't need to be gendered in the first place. Like there are so many languages where it's they're not gendered. It, and in uh, Bahasa, uh, in, Indonesian being one of them, they don't have gendered pronouns. I, I really enjoy hearing things like that. I mean, you just, you just kind of are stuck in your own language sometimes. And it, it does, it limits the way you think you hear so many people say they learn a second language or a third language, mm-hmm. and it completely opens up their mind to a new way of conceptualizing the world because languages have different things yeah. actually going backwards, Spanish and French have got to be like the most uh, sort of sexist or gendered languages that exist because everything is either assigned to a masculine or a feminine. You, I mean, like you literally change the way a verb sounds to assign it to uh, a female gender so you know i mean you, you've got a continuum of languages yeah. for sure oh. yeah I, and 
I don't know. I, I love it where there are certain pronouns in the Eastern world where it's, mm. it's relationship based. So like if I'm speaking to you, well, mm-hmm. you're my acquaintance or you're my friend yeah. or you're my close yeah. friend or I love you. And there are literally pronouns mm-hmm. out there in other languages that when you use it, you're yes. telling someone. That yeah, that is tr- a little bit true of Spanish as well. This and it's a, it's a really cool thing. You can either you can use um, yeah. the, the, the two version or the AOS version and that'll change which FYI, just yeah. use the masculine. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, it just, <laughs> that's what is off the top of my head. But yeah. Um, that's okay. <laughs> so I do want to yeah. give you some time to tell your story. And we've had such a good time talking that we haven't actually gotten there. And I, I want to make that transition. So a little harder than I usually will do it. But let's use all of this information and jump into the story that you're here to, to tell us. Well, they're, they're, they're actually a collection of short stories and poems and hybrid forms uh, called uh, kaleidoscope tales uh i actually came up with the form it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of odd uh by by accident uh, in our form of theory class uh with uh, with uh, with with miles i had missed the one class where he discussed kino's exercises and style oh yes ramon kino i love that book oh it's so good yes we, we were supposed to write something that was in one of the three forms that he had written in yes the uh, collection but i had misinterpreted it as write ah. the same story three times in any way you saw fit. So I took it. I literally, for whatever reason, I remember, I remember that. I remember exactly that moment when you came into class and discussed having misinterpreted it and the, like the feeling of discomfort. Yeah. I remember that. That actually stands out to me as a moment (laughs) in undergrad. I think I ended up with a C minus on that assignment because I had messed it up. Oh, geez. (laughs) But I had found a form that I liked and, uh, you know, and I've always liked Mm the color Mm -hmm. and the shape of stories like stories can take so many different shapes but in this particular instance i'm using repetition and well because that's what kino did in exercise style and uh yeah just just simple story telling it three times in three different ways and that really feels to me i don't i don't want to jump right back into the conversation we were just having but that really feels to me a lot like a a a story that somebody who spent a lot of time thinking about gender is really suited to tell Mm -hmm. because you're thinking about three different points of view. It doesn't have to be one point of view. And so is there a connection there for you? Oh, definitely. One of them, uh, I think the first one, it has yet to been picked Mm -hmm. up by a a literary journal or anything. I think it's out there for something, but Amphibious. Uh, I actually have a character named Bailey uh, and they are getting ready for a hang at a Mm -hmm. uh, comic book shop and cafe with one of their friends, but they don't know how to present themselves. So the first one is like they're getting ready for it and they are, they're more feminine. And then they get there and you realize that, oh no, they're not exactly, that doesn't fit. And they they feel uncomfortable with a feminine level. So then they go, Mm -hmm. we do this again, (laughs) getting ready, Mm -hmm. uh, going masculine. Hmm. And that doesn't work either. And then the third one, they're, they don't make it to the yeah. to the, to the comic book shop slash cafe, and uh, they it's almost like they they vomit up. Yeah. They, it's kind of a weird image, I guess, but they vomit up wow. the feminine part of themselves, and but then mm-hmm. smear it on the mirror that they're looking at yeah. behind the sink, and then they ah. they smile at each other, and the like, yeah. they're and there's they're something both. there's something like. And that, yeah. that felt better and they were yeah. settled, I guess. So that's phenomenal. It's a really good yeah, metaphor. I, I love the way that that feels to, to think about that and to think about that particular struggle that for a lot of people, there's not even, there's not even a, a, a name or a way to approach it. That's one of the greatest things that writing does for us is it gives us the ability to have an experience yeah. um, that somebody else has had. Uh, I've never been much of a nihilist myself. And so I believe that when I, when I read your work, I get to, I get to cross a chasm that's otherwise pretty difficult to cross and to experience your world in your mind. If you give me that access, it's a, it's a privilege if you choose to give that to somebody. Um, 
Okay. So uh, kaleidoscope tales, and this is one, one form of a yes. story. It's three, three different tellings of the same story. Uh, and there's going to be a collection right. of them. So probably touch on a few more, I think. I might go with an overview. I actually, my, my kids actually read a lot of them and my youngest uh, who's actually trans uh, a woman. Uh, we actually, it was kind of weird. We actually came out at the same time. I, I came out to her wow. and then she came okay. out to me. It was kind of weird. Had you, had you known that, by the way? Did you know that at the time or were you? I didn't know that about her and she she was hiding who she was. And then it made it okay for her to come out when I came out. And it's like, oh, like, yeah, it's like, it's like an, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's an instantaneous. Yeah. <laughs> like my coming out impacted wow. somebody else. Cause it, it gave mm-hmm. her the, the yeah. platform to come out as well. But anyway, uh, she actually likened the fiction to like Indica and then the uh, poetry as a sativa and a little bit of background. Uh, that's marijuana <laughs> a reference. She had just, she had, she was studying marijuana for a particular report in class at the time. And, she was like, you know, your poetry to me just sounds like the sativa where you're just, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of like relaxed. It's all chill. That's the sativa there. And then, but the fiction mm-hmm. is more like Indica or it's just <laughs> yeah. <it's> tripping. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. know what it's doing. <laughs> and it goes into weird places. And then the few moments where you kind of blend in the no- nonfiction with all that other stuff, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, so it kind of works that way, I guess. And I like it. So I'm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I figured I'd mention it. Go for some of the ones that actually have been picked up by places. Uh, Tall Grass. Uh, we shouldn't be list that one. We shouldn't be limited mm-hmm. by our perception, I guess, is what I kind of played with that one. And that's, again, different perspectives. But this time, with uh, and, and it was published by Spank the Carp. In this one, uh, there was a father who was an ex-military uh, disabled veteran and his daughter is mowing the tall mm. grass in the front lawn. And then a neighbor comes out and kind of a nosy mm. busybody neighbor uh, comes out and tries to mow the lawn for the daughter because the daughter. That's an experience we've all had too. It's, it's, it's sad, but I've, I've, I can relate so quickly to that. Yeah. And you see that the father's perspective that he mm. physically can't do it. Because yeah. well, he's disabled uh, and and a bit out of shape, and the daughter is a cross mm. uh, country runner, and is mm-hmm. the most physically able body in the household to be able yeah. to mow that lawn, and and the father, the other little thing that I had in there, I think the father taught the daughter how to un mm-hmm. to, to disconnect mm. yeah. the spark plug. So that she can safely clean out the uh, mm-hmm. the the clippings yeah. that that would that would mm-hmm. inevitably clog yeah. the the blade, and she's doing that, and of course it's taking a long time simply because yeah it's tall grass. So, and then the 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 guy comes in there, the neighbor, and tries to start the the lawnmower for her, which it won't start because <laughs> yeah. the spark plug has been disconnected. So he's just frustrated trying to, to, to do it and, and runs off. But you see the father's perspective first, I believe, and then the mm-hmm. daughter's. So you get that in a relation, uh, that, that relationship there. And you get the sense that the daughter is probably <laughs> the more capable yeah. being able to mow the lawn. And then so you're hating this probably at this point, you're probably mm-hmm. irritated at least at the nosy neighbor. But then you realize you get into the mm-hmm. neighbor's perspective at the end where he mm. just lost his wife and he's trying to sell his home because he can't live. Yeah. He doesn't want to live there anymore because it reminds him of her and he can't sell his home because this person has tall grass and their, <laughs> you know, their, 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 their place looks kind of shabby because yeah. they don't mow their lawn and he's frustrated at the, uh, the diesel engine uh, trucks coming That's... by and everything. So hopefully towards the end, you get a little bit of empathy for that character who is an unlikable character i guess immediately when you brought that in i thought that was such a powerful um full of of compassion kind of a story uh 
I think that there are a lot of us who are going about our daily routines with the same kind of shackles um, and they don't always have quite as much consequence to them. Um, some shackles just don't, they're not as consequential. Right. You know, if I'm, if I'm to tell people that uh, I'm the passenger when we drive around town because my wife is a better driver and she has a better sense of directions or whatever, I, people will kind of laugh at me, but it's not going to ultimately change my life or my experience. Um, but still to acknowledge and to have the compassion that you have for that neighbor character and to decide to dip into to his consciousness and tell a little bit about what's going on for him. It doesn't forgive his, his assumptions about the daughter or the father, but it certainly gives you the reality that we're all people. We're all making our best efforts. Not okay. Let me, let me step back a little. We are not all, we are not all making our best efforts. No, there are some people out there right now and they actually know who they are. That's actually the most terrifying thing to me is that there are people out there. They know who they are and they are making their best effort to destroy us by dividing us, by putting us into containers, by putting us into boxes. And wow. that is their mission. And they, they are malicious about it. Those people are not making their best effort, but yeah. many of us are, many of us are making our best effort. And um, I love how that story really highlights that. That's a cool story for that reason. Yeah, and and uh, I think that's what uh, why I also wanted to mention spank the carp because they when they when they they uh, accepted me they basically said this is a mor morality yeah. tale that we need right now that so many people are you're not putting yourself mm. in the shoes of somebody else and how they might feel and I'm like oh so great but yes that that's one of the yeah. fiction ones. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, another one that goes in a completely different direction is mm. as seen on TV. And that one is about to get published by Shirley magazine based named after. Great. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Named after um, uh, Shirley Jackson. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the yellow wallpaper, right? No, no, no. Or the no, that's the lottery. the lottery. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's got that repetitive element again, but oh, well, I, I mentioned one repetitive element at the beginning. Uh, which is a TV ad mm -hmm. uh, for a stool softener uh, targeted mm -hmm. for opioid patients, you know, so, you know, totally no. not based on a real product. <laughs> I've actually <laughs> not seen at all. videos like it, they're a little older now because of the whole opioid crisis and everything and, and people cracking yeah. down on it. But yes, there were literally commercials where yeah oh are you a constant opioid user then you need this stool softener so there's this really surreal version of the uh, the uh, commercial where the 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 stool softener is walking hand in hand with the patient at the at the doctor's office and everything yeah and they you know you the the normal jargon and then it goes deeper yep. where you get that ad again and you get a real patient not in the commercial, but a real patient mm. on the toilet who isn't, uh, they are, they had surgery or, or something on their knee. They have pain in their knee and then they mm -hmm. have, they have the psychosomatic pain actually, because they had already had the, the, and this is typically how it works with opioid. Uh, well, with how some people can get hooked on opioids, I guess, is that they'll, they'll have some kind of yeah. medical procedure that's been done. And they can prescribe these medications okay. and then they never stop taking them because they still believe that they have pain. So just really more a psychological need to take. You're, you're having pain because you're detoxing, essentially. And right. so yeah. she's trying to, the patient on the toilet, <laughs> the second section is trying to talk to find a doctor who will prescribe her medication again. And then by the, you know, because she's exhausting all of her other doctors, she's switching to uh, doctor switching, doctor shopping, uh, trying to get mm -hmm. her next fix, essentially. And then in the third one, she, this same patient gets sucked into the TV and it just eats her. Wow. Essentially. Wow. So, okay. So in the third iteration the character actually gets pulled into the TV, into the ad. And again, you're taking something that's like on the surface that you can make all of these assumptions about uh, and playing with people's expectations. Here's, here's something interesting. And I think maybe a little bit provocative. So I really want to okay. hear you talk about it. I think you're setting, I think you're setting people up to be a judge. 
So they're judging the content that you're presenting on face value. I'm judging this commercial and how evil the people are who create this drug. And so now I sit in the position of the judge. And then now you're going to introduce somebody who actually needs it. And you're going to introduce a question. Am I okay now being the judge? Because there's somebody real that I could theoretically care about or be related to or like who's benefiting from this, this particular drug. So now I get to choose like, Am I on the side of the drug manufacturing company? Am I on the side of the patient or am I on no one's side at all? And then finally you take us that much deeper into almost like now we are the person on the drug. That's what, to me, that's what happens when you go inside of the ad and become the person in the ad. It's like, you are that person now and what's your relationship. So I think in a, in yeah. a sort of provocative way, you're actually, you're taking people on and you're accusing them of being too shallow in their way of interacting with the world. Do you feel like there's any truth to that? Or am I, am I uh, putting oh, more on? No, there's definitely, that? that's definitely in there. I would, I would imagine. Uh, and maybe that is why it speaks to me. The, the form in general that just, just speaks to me is because well, I've been judged yeah. my entire life. <laughs> you know, you're this particular way. I mean, oh my goodness. When I, I literally grew the out of the military beard. When I shaved it, when I first shaved it, it was so people kind of looked at me odd. <laughs> why, why did you do that? I was a little scared yeah. for doing that too, because, well, I put on some weight and the beard kind of shaped my jaw. <laughs> Slims down. <laughs> yes. It, it, yes. It, it situated yes. my jawline and now I don't have that anymore, but I will. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I, uh, I have, I have the, the same issue. I'm, I'm fighting really hard to get weight back off. Um, it's hard when yeah. you put it on, especially, and, you know, add to it for me. Um, I use alcohol to moderate my world quite a bit. Uh, my wife and I talk about it a yeah. lot that I'm going really, really hard in life. I think harder than some people realize I'm putting a lot of energy and effort to make something happen and to try to force my way into a world that really doesn't want me. And I think by the end of the day, a lot of times I feel exhausted and there are so many better ways to, to deal with the strain yeah. and the pressure, but I choose alcohol as a really quick eject button to just be like, okay, I can calm down. Alcohol takes away the concern of tomorrow and the, the worry about what I did today and just lets me be present. And I think there are a lot of people who really judge that. Um, and it's obviously bad yeah. for my body and teaches me to rely on a substance, but. And I, I have actually struggled myself with that at times. Uh, there was definitely a moment when my older daughter <laughs> went to Mexico mm. uh, for a sea turtle conservation thing. And she was there for months and I was worried about her and everything. And wow. And then yeah. we took on my wife's brother, my, my, my brother-in-law, uh, who was a heroin addict and he was detoxing in our, essentially detoxing in our, uh, our basement. And then our basement flooded Wow. Oh my goodness. So many extra things. And yeah, I did actually no turn kidding. to alcohol for a while. So, so I have actually struggled with that yeah. as well. It is interesting. I mean, and these, these are things that we choose about our identity too, that a lot of people uh, don't give a lot of weight to is um, part of my identity is supposed to be thin guy. Um, part of my identity is supposed to be muscly guy, <laughs> or at least, you know, has uh, some muscles. Um, and part of my identity is supposed to be in control guy. Those are, those are three things that I think are really, really important pieces of my identity. And when I, when I go outside of those, I feel a constant sense of uh, adriftness. So weird. Uh, genre. Genre literally means gender. Wow. I, had, I didn't know that. I mean, it just shouldn't surprise me at all, but okay. <laughs> I don't want to stick to one genre. Because, <laughs> or I'm going to challenge genre because I'm challenging, you know, <laughs> I'm uh -huh. doing that on another front. Yeah. I go to join a lot of Facebook groups that are, that are writing groups. And every time the forum questions, they always ask, what genre do you write in? And I hate that all the time because I'm like, I don't write in a genre. I sometimes choose to write yeah. mysteries. I sometimes choose to write literary, but even those things really bother me because I cannot stop writing quote unquote literary, no matter what genre I'm working in. I'm yeah. always really interested in people. And so my, my mysteries tend to be focused on character development. Um, and, and my thrillers tend to be focused on character development. Um, and then when I write literary, I still have guns and knives and ah, bombs or whatever way. makes it yeah. not supposed to be literary, you know? Yeah. So, uh, 
it is awful everywhere. We're always trying to put people in boxes. Oh, Get yeah. in your box, Steve. Uh, yeah, and it just, it doesn't, we can't, we don't fit into a box. But I guess, but I guess that is something where we kind of need them in the uh, the publishing world because yep. you don't know how to market it otherwise. So yes, so I do get it. <laughs> Absolutely, I do too. And I and I think that's a great point that you made that is right on brand with who you are and who you've shown yourself to be. Is that we need we need gender somehow too. We just need to be able to do it in a way that's not destructive. Um, there is value. So and and the the way that I'm saying that is. Um, you've referred to your wife as she, your wife wants yes. to be referred to as she from, from what I'm hearing you, I want to be referred to as he, but I want to be accepted as the he that I mm. am. And I think that that's part of, of this conversation as well. And is, is that we just want the ability to be accepted for who we are. And we want to be able to dictate that to other people. I think, I'm, I guess I'm not speaking necessarily for you but i believe i'm speaking with you i yeah, think well there's so my many different ways here. to be a man there's so many different ways to be a woman right and exactly. so many different ways to be non-binary i have my flag in the back there i yeah there's a reason there are four colors they represent different things and mm. different aspects of it yeah you can have no gender you can have yeah two genders a gender that doesn't that's nowhere near like uh that's what yellow is for that's nowhere near man or woman mm-hmm. it's divorced of all of that because and i love how they chose Mm. yellow for that particular thing because red and blue okay man and woman is red and blue but then we're yellow it's a primary color that has Mm. nothing to do with the other two primary colors (laughs) yeah with red or blue i like that yeah that is that's really cool anyway um talk about more let's uh let's wrap up with with one more one more good story okay uh well uh, there is also uh, Latex Sticks to Kids, which was recently published by uh-huh. the Kaleidoscope <laughs> last month. And that went Nice. Cool. Congrats uh, again. And it follows a group of people at a hospital. And it, this is a poetic one, though. And, okay. and poetry, I think, lends itself to different points of view. Uh, the first is a grandfather, yeah. and he's having an angioplasty, <laughs> which is like a 17-line palindrome yeah. poem. So it starts okay. one way, you use the same words, and then you go back the other way, and you can read it forward or backwards the same way. So wow, that's got to oh, be hugely yes. challenging. So that, that one actually, <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> but it, yeah, I was just describing yeah. an angioplasty. The second poem, and and I guess they called it a what is it, triptych, uh, which is three uh, three pictures, uh, three paintings. Uh, and they interrelate. Uh, and but the second poem is about an uncle uncle who forgot to take his antipsychotics, which is a uh, verse <laughs> with repetitive tercets, like a chorus. So that like it's almost like cool. the voices in his head. Yeah, uh, based that largely yeah. off of my uncle who had schizophrenia. Okay, and he would often do uh-huh. that. Well, because he he would feel like, oh well, I'm I'm better now. I don't need to take them anymore. And of course. It's, yeah. it's common with, um, so I have a family member who's diagnosed bipolar. It's common with bipolar yes. that when you start to feel like emotionally leveled out, you're like, I don't need the medicine anymore. I have a very good friend mm-hmm. who was diagnosed schizophrenic and yep. Same thing. You, you think you're okay. And so you try to come off the meds and it's yeah. just like, it's a, it's a very, very difficult experience for, for people. And, and then the, the third uh, is uh, the final one is a child in the waiting room waiting for his uncle and his grandfather with mm. the angioplasty that you know, tie it in together. Oh, wow. and, yeah. He's just, yeah. And it literally does tie the other yeah. two together. Uh, like the imagery yeah. in the first two poems get tied in with the, with the child. It is so abundantly clear to me that you have spent uh, a lifetime thinking about identity and all of the different ways that, that one person can identify in one situation and so it's no surprise to me that this book is is not only tremendously insightful in the way that it deals with identity, but uh, forgiving and kind. Um, I haven't heard a word of it read, oh. and I want to keep <laughs> it that way for right now because I, I want I want people to have to come buy it from you um, when it's published, whether we get the uh, the privilege to publish it or somebody else does. You know, it, it it's just it's a it feels to me like an anthem to. A situation that a lot of people really have no uh, experience with um, the many ways that we identify and uh, 
great privilege to talk to you. I want to, okay. I want to end this by asking one, do you, do you wish for people to be able to find you? And if so, where do you want them to find you a oh, Facebook my. profile or elsewhere? Twitter is still at JK Rackley. That's mm-hmm. my birth name. All right. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, they can follow you at, at JK Rackley and it's R-A-C-K-L-E-Y. Starting, I, I need to get better at social media. I'm, I'm also, uh, <laughs> I have a, uh, a preliminary uh, diagnosis of uh, ADHD. So it kind of concerns me with the, you know, with social media, everybody's like, oh, you know, they they feel like they have ADHD and it's difficult Mm -hmm. for me to focus sometimes on very difficult. uh, I'm worried about getting on there and it's this, yeah, sure. This How could this possibly go wrong? So I'm I'm like, (laughs) I typically shun that but I'm, I'm trying to get on social media a little bit more and oh uh but i'm on instagram as uh oh my goodness uh laugh kira uh yeah l-a-u-g-h-k-y-r-a you know it's funny when when you first said that you had a collection of stories i was like i wonder how we're going to do this because there was a little sense of i've only so far talked about large. like one one specific novel or larger yeah larger project at least and I thought that this was exceptionally fun. This was a really cool way to do it. So I expect that people will will respond really warmly oh, to it. So. And I'm, I'm excited yeah. that we got to do it. Oh, yeah, well, I sure. always liked shorter fiction and whatnot. I mean, I grew up with it. Yeah. Because I, I guess uh-huh. I had like a undiagnosed for a while dyslexia. So it was difficult yeah. for me to read. Oh, really? So shorter works were easier for mm. me to finish. And I always loved them. And I'm, I mean, I've yeah. been able to deal with it and, and read longer works mm-hmm. now, but you know, yeah. that was always a first love because yeah. it's like, you know, well, that got yeah. me into it. I don't know. got me into reading yeah. <laughs> and it could get somebody else into it. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't feel so daunting. You can kind of like read a, a short story and then maybe move on. That fits with oh, the yeah. ADHD oh, as well. Yes. <laughs> and the, I guess those are interrelated. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Kira. And Oh yeah, it's great. I'm not kidding. When you, reached out and was like you know i am still part of a writing community as well i I felt very isolated and uh. well you certainly are part of a community and it was wonderful to hear your story thanks for listening today and remember you should never feel bad for telling the truth so get out there and write and if you've got a killer story Apply to be a guest on our show. Email me at jodyjsperling at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Jody J. Sperling. And hey, there's no point in telling stories if nobody's listening. <laughs>